it's that time again. Some stuff is on the news and some political shenanigans are in the forecast. That means perfectly normal guns, ammo, and gear are going to be flying off the shelves and hoarded into closets and basements and bunkers. Yep, it's panic buying time. I've not been quiet about my anti-consumer tendencies when it comes to guns and gear. I've preached in several episodes now that it's more important and fulfilling to buy one good gun and train hard with it than it is to buy a ton of guns that will spend all their lives in a safe. Unfortunately, a very small fraction of the gun community actually listens to this podcast. I'm working on that, but it's tough to fix overnight with literally no money spent on advertising. For now, I'm just going to have to rant to you guys and gals about why panic buying is silly and how you should actually approach it when it inevitably does come up. So as a quick history lesson, I'm a bit of a late bloomer when it comes to guns. While I had shot my first gun around 10 years old, I didn't grow up with them in the house, and my parents were pretty anti-gun. I wasn't interested in having guns of my own until about 2008-ish, which coincidentally was when the federal assault weapons ban was set to expire, and when Obama was first elected president. For those reasons, the first AR-15s I looked at were regularly listed at over $1,000, even though they weren't anything special. They were just basic mil-spec carbines. I went the next couple years thinking that's just what semi-auto rifles cost, and I was better served buying a handgun or pump shotgun instead. I had no idea how inflated those prices were over a temporary period of inflated demand. I'm going to maintain my policy of non-political talk by not sharing my opinions of Obama or his presidency. My opinions of the guy aren't that interesting or radical anyway. You know, there was good and bad from his presidency just like any other. I'm only talking now about a huge period of panic buying that occurred before and long after Obama's election and inauguration, mostly centered around a fear that heavy firearm purchase bans were right around the corner. Now, just as the gun buying panic slowed down after the end of Obama's first term, a second wave kicked in around 2012 and 2013 mostly due to some high-profile massacres that really stirred public debate around gun control. To this day, I don't personally own a firearm chambered in 22 because I sat through years of the ammo being overpriced or unavailable. 22 is back in stock everywhere today, but it never returned to the prices that were common before 2012. That brief surge in demand likely had permanent effects on that particular market. Generally speaking, panic buying is triggered by politics rather than actual market forecasts. Uh, People have a hard time gauging if what they're stocking up on will actually go up in value, but the risk of bans or strict regulations are often viewed as too much to gamble on by not stocking up. The way I see it, there are a couple of distinct philosophies that are found among panic buyers, certain mindsets in which the purchases are justified. The first one is the political forecaster. If you wanted X rifle or wanted more of Y ammo, and you believe a ban for purchases of X or Y are coming up, it makes sense to buy what you want now in case you can't later. This is a thought process that I'd have a hard time arguing against at the time. It's only with hindsight that I can say that money was wasted or that purchase was made rashly. Variables surrounding upcoming gun control laws are as up in the air as the details of the laws themselves tend to be. When the debate stirs up around assault weapons or semi-automatic weapons, we know that politicians will try to pass a law. What we don't know is if the law will pass, if the law will be enforceable on purchases, exactly which firearms will be impacted by the law, or even if prior purchases will remain legal. 
While gun bans tend to grandfather in previous owners, and may even permit the transfers of grandfathered weapons, that isn't always the case. The next mindset that we see in panic buying is the investor. This is someone who believes a panic is coming, that prices for an item will go up, and so buying now will allow that person to resell the item for a profit soon after. This behavior is a bit easier to refute, but it's harder to convince investors not to do. After all, if you can buy something this week for $500 and sell it next week for $1,000 or more, or later for even more than that, who am I to say that you shouldn't? I think you would probably buy as many of that thing as you can, and there's very little I can do to talk you out of it. There are three problems with the investor's approach to panic buying. First, it's not cool. If you believe that supply is limited for a potentially life-saving firearm, as all firearms are to some degree or another, or the ammo and accessories for it are similarly going to be limited, and you don't actually need it for yourself, you're jeopardizing the needs of another buyer being met by hoarding it for your own financial gain. This is like scalping concert tickets, except that the concert tickets could mean the difference between life and death. That's some dog-eat-dog energy that you don't need to bring more of into this world. There's enough of it going around. Be a bro. The second problem is that you can't accurately forecast whether a panic will occur at all, and to what extent prices will climb on your article of investment. Naturally, guns tend to appreciate in value over time, especially when the guns themselves are taken care of, but this isn't consistent or linear across the entire gun market. If you buy a rifle for $500, expecting that it'll climb over $1,000 in value, you're in the hole for that $500 purchase whether the price increase happens or not. If you don't need it, and you sell it later for $400, that's a $100 loss that is completely on you. If you bought that $500 rifle for more than $500 in the expectation of a panic, or the continuation of an existing panic, you're not going to be able to make that extra money back down the road. I see classifieds for rifles with inflated prices all the time because the seller is trying to recoup losses accrued during a perceived demand spike that never matured to the level that they had anticipated. That money ain't coming back. The final problem with the investor's logic is that the legal viability of a return on your investment is shaky at best. Under current federal laws and ATF guidelines, Buying a firearm with the explicit intent of reselling it is in a legal gray area. While the occasional flip purchase is generally considered okay, you can't legally be in the business of selling guns without a federal firearms license, even if that business isn't full-time or is not your main source of income. Further, investing in a gun purchase with the expectation of selling it after a ban won't work if the ban ends up restricting transfers or even ownership of that gun. If you bought a gun that you can no longer legally sell, you're stuck with either surrendering the gun or turning to the black market, and neither of those options has the financial benefits that you had hoped for. I hope I've made it clear at this point that I don't feel panic buying is a good idea. It's entertaining to watch from the sidelines, but it stinks to get caught up in a supply shortage when you had a genuine need for what is no longer readily in supply. I hope instead that you'll consider buying what you need while you still can, before any panic sets in. I have a couple of suggestions for that. First, if you don't have a quality semi-automatic rifle yet, go get one. I like ARs, as I've made very clear in this podcast, but if you'd rather get a decent AK or piston-driven system of some kind, more power to you. Just get something that doesn't stink and learn how to use it. Outside of all current and future political anxiety surrounding these firearms, they are extremely practical and effective for a wide range of legal uses. You know, get something for home defense, hunting, sport and competition shooting, or simply a happy day at the range. You don't get to have the fun if you don't have the gun. Now, at the time of posting this episode, prices for AR-15s in particular have never been better, so it makes sense not to wait if not waiting is a financially viable option for you. 
If you're listening to this podcast later and there is a panic that's cranking up prices for something you're interested in, I believe that the safest option is to hold off on that purchase. Most of the time, these panics end and whatever was being hoarded goes back down to a reasonable supply and price. For the guns and platforms that you already own, buy more ammo and more magazines. I don't care if it's for for your Glock pistols, AR patterned carbines, precision bolt gun, or whatever else you're into. Get more ammo and more magazines because whatever you have now isn't enough. Ammo is what gets you to the range more often, and that's the best part of this particular walk of life. Magazines should be treated as disposable, and it helps to not have to reload your magazines while you're at the range. I personally bring at least as many loaded magazines to the range as I plan on going through, whether that's 6 or 12 or whatever, and I have many more loaded and stashed away in the closet. And before the fuds start on me, no, keeping magazines stored while fully loaded will not wear out the springs or any other components. Springs are designed to maintain tension, and that doesn't reduce their lifespan. Buy more magazines on a regular basis, load them up, don't be afraid to store them loaded. You'll never regret having them. For anything else, just keep calm and buy what you need when you can afford it. I would never recommend treating gun ownership like an investment that can yield financial returns. It happens here and there, but it just can't be counted on. Instead, stay within your budget and within your means, and have the basics covered. Get the gun and gear needed to protect yourself and your loved ones, then the guns and gear needed to advance at the sport or application that you're most interested in. Leave the panic buying to people that think the lottery is a retirement plan, because I I feel like it's the same group. That's all I have for you this week. Thanks so much for attending my economics class. If you're enjoying my weekly rambles, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave Range Talk a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us. If you know other people that might like weekly gun rambles, let them know on Twitter using the hashtag Range Talk. If not, stay safe, and we'll talk again soon.